Hello and welcome to Bygones, the Ali McBeal Rewatch podcast. I'm Laura Jane Parker. And I'm Eleanor Parker. And we rewatch every episode of Ali McBeal through 2020 eyes. Yes. And uh, yeah, we are getting <laughs> to the sharp end of 2020, heading on the downward slope the back half of the season yeah yeah because how many more episodes do we have is it well it's a shorter season than um last uh last the last couple of seasons so i think there is um 21 episodes total it could be i think you're right yeah 21 episodes so we're way way on our way and normally there's been 23 yeah um, so yeah, so not many left to go. No, no. Um, so I'm hoping to see some storylines ramp up in the next few episodes. Uh, and if I know what is coming, I think <laughs> that is definitely on the happen? agenda. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. I, I feel like certainly last episode felt, yeah, a bit uh, baggy and a bit kind of sort of forced. Um, in regards yeah. to certain like developments between Ali and Billy, but it's all yeah. gearing up for stuff. <laughs> yeah, and there's been—I don't know about you, but like the first half of the season, there has definitely been a few like filler episodes where yes. nothing much has happened. Yeah, and that's been annoying. And I feel like we've had that in all of the seasons yes. so far. To be I, fair, I think that is true. But yeah, I want to see. I want to see more stuff happen so yeah but I think maybe I mean I don't know about you but I feel like maybe that the idea of like filler episodes uh, maybe that was a more like that's less of a thing now um yeah. I think um nowadays you know most like the the sort of overarching like plots are are much better sort of planned out and thought about um and so you're less likely to get filler episodes nowadays of like popular tv I don't know, shows but if you think of like this era like the late 90s mm-hmm. into the early 2000s i feel like that was when shows started you started to get some really good like the um, era yeah, no, of great tv it, yeah, was starting again absolutely. like west wing sopranos all that yeah stuff. but it was they were like uh, really when you think about the amount of tv that there was like they were anomalies like they weren't like, yeah, the true. majority of tv shows were still very televisual um which included yeah. things like filler episodes whereas i think nowadays yeah. TV shows try to be a lot more cinematic in their look, but also just better, you know, you have a show that, yeah, like proper, you know, the idea that you would just, you know, um, pick up a television show and watch the odd episode when you can, like, is not really a thing that people do anymore. Like, they want to be in it for, like, the whole season because there's a big like overarching plot line that you're following yeah Yeah, so it's interesting that is true that is true but yeah it's just nice to see some growth yeah and progression that's all that's all we want um (laughs) 
That's all I want. So what are we, what are we going to, let's see if we see that today. Yeah. What, what have we got today? So today we've got, uh, we are talking about uh, episode 15 of season three uh, called Prime Suspect, which first... Not the British Helen Mirren. crime drama. Yeah, no. So Prime Suspect first aired 20th of March 2000. So we've basically had like a month. Yes. A gap. For a month. Yes. Well, how interesting, because these two episodes are obviously closely, this one and the one Yeah, a very link were in a closely way. related. It's a continuation of the same characters and the same storyline yes. in a way. Um, it's almost like a two-parter. Mm. So it's interesting to have that gap of a whole month. Yeah, it is, isn't it? Yeah. I wonder why that was. Just random gap yeah. in the middle of it. <laughs> We interrupt this program for Eleanor's cultural stuff. Brought to you by the Naughties. The other decade more problematic than it looks. Uh, the UK number one is mm-hmm. Chicane with Brian Adams. Do you remember what this is? Yes. Oh. Um. I really remember this. Oh, I do know this one. Um, oh, fuck. Why have I got Better Off Alone in my head? That's no, not that's chicane. that's Brian Adams and Mel C. Is it? Yeah. Better Off Alone? Oh, no. No? no? that's Baby When You're Gone. Baby When You're Gone. Yeah. Oh, I really don't remember. I, I'm going to kick myself because I know, I really remember, you will remember him it. coming back with a dance tune. And I do know it, but I can't think of it. What is it? Don't give up. You don't have don't to. Don't have to. Gotta do, gotta do what you <laughs> wanna do. Yeah, yeah. I remember don't that. Give yes, up. yes, yes, I do. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And it was like, oh, suddenly Brian Adams is cool again. Yes, yes, yes. yeah. I remember this. Um, wow. Era. Yeah, so that was the UK number one. The US number one is. An iconic 2000s song. What one? Destiny's Child. Uh, Independent Woman Part 1. No. Oh! um, Oh, 2000. 2000. Uh, (laughs) Jumping, jumping? 2000. 2000. No. Is it jumping, jumping? No. Uh, Bills? No. Uh, Uh, uh. I'm a survivor. No, say my name. Oh my say god! Say my name, and no one oh, is around. Oh, say my name! Oh Baby, my I god! I love you. <laughs> you were running game. Say, say my, my name, name. Say my name. You oh are kind of yeah. shady. Shady. Call me baby. Call me baby. Yeah, great. <laughs> love it. All right. Yes, that one. Yeah, that makes more sense. That is that does make more sense. Um, that's the song that I really remember actually um I think that's the song that made Destiny's Child like huge because I think before yeah. then although like you know they was had, it like, the next summer that they did Independent yeah Women? I think was it was that when Charlie's Angels won yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. so okay, I yeah. think so like Bugaboo and Jumping Lucy Jumping Lou and Bills, Connection obviously yeah um like <laughs> I remember those being out, but I don't think they were any no- anywhere near as like big as say my name got in like um yeah uh and then obviously they they gave us independent everything like, yeah 
independent everything. <laughs> Gave us everything. And Beyonce certainly never yeah. stopped. And never stopped. Um, yeah. 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 So, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Someone. Uh, yeah. So, uh, and I love that video. I still think it's like, you know, when they're doing like the, and the changing yes. of the rooms and the colours. The, the colours. Yeah. Yeah. It's really fun. Um, yeah. 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 And the only other thing I've got is 17th of March in 2000, mm-hmm. um, Erin Brockovich and Final Destination are released in the cinema. Ooh, so Erin Brockovich, I remember because that was like one of the first DVDs that we got. Yes, it um, was, wasn't it? Weirdly. Yeah, and I that, like that and movie like, though. Mission Impossible 2. Yeah, Mission Impossible 2 was the first one. Yeah. yeah. And then um, uh, Final Destination I went to see at the cinema. Yes. And, I remember, yeah. oh my god, I've got to tell you about Final Destination. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I remember. What happened? I remember, I don't know, I can't remember whether it was a sleepover of yours or a sleepover of mine. I, Eleanor, I had no friends. I was not having any sleepovers <laughs> at that time. <laughs> okay, so it must have been a sleepover of mine that we hired Final Destination um to watch and no that wasn't me that was you yeah it must have been me um and on it's gonna be me (laughs) (laughs) and on the the dvd it had a death clock like as a as a (laughs) dvd extra actually i do have a memory of this yeah yeah a, a dvd like yeah it was a dvd extra that you like hit the button and it would give you the date of when you were gonna die and I yes. remember doing it. I remember it. watching you doing it yeah, yeah yeah and I did it and it came up with um I think it was like August 2008 <gasps> and I just remember being like really like oh my god that's that's not far away <laughs> And then I just kind of like it weirded me out, and then I like just like forgot about it. But then when August two thousand and eight rolled round, I was like, it it kind of just resurfaced in my memory, and I just remember thinking because that was the time I went to visit you in New York. In my New York, yeah, yeah exactly. and and I, I just remember that. thinking I might die on the plane. <laughs> <laughs> Either on my way there or on my way back, I might die. Like, and I remember seeing oh. like statistics of like murder in New York is at its highest rate at, in in August, like because it's oh, really wow. hot and all this kind of thing. It's just like oh my I just goodness. remember thinking like I might die this month. <laughs> well, that gives all the photos of us in New York a whole new layer. Of- <laughs> Like behind your eyes, you're like any second now. <laughs> Us in the on the boat in Central Park, going, oh my god, I'm gonna drown. <laughs> oh god, yeah, I just and then once August like came and went, I was like, oh okay, it was a load of bollocks, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, but I do remember at that time um, in 2000 when the internet was in its infancy there was a website called like deathclock.com it might even still exist um, and oh, really? that was like legendary for like it was in magazines and stuff for 
teenagers being like, oh, have you been on deathclub.com? Are you like hard enough to go on deathclub.com to like, you know, can you brave it? Are you like macho enough? And I was just like, I am not going on deathclub.com <laughs> to find out when I'm going to die. Like, don't be ridiculous. But I yeah, mean, like I remember that being a thing, like a, like a, yeah, I don't know, one of those like urban legend type yeah. things. Yeah. And it's very kind of like, and it's extremely silly. And of course it's a load of rubbish. And I think yeah. in my head, I knew deep down it was a load of rubbish, but it is just funny how these things can start to worry you. Like, even when you like... Well, you were quite young then as well. Yeah. You were like, what, uh, well, 13? 13, yeah, when it came out, yeah. Yeah. Um, and so that's the sort of thing that preys on like young impressionable Absolutely. minds yes. um, even if you like brush it off at the time like oh yeah and then at night you're like but really Ooh. am I going to die <laughs> yeah. yeah. am I um, going to die at 21 <laughs> <laughs> I know um, but yeah that's really funny because it's um, also reminded me of like remember special features on TV yes <laughs> <laughs> they were wild right <laughs> but I just remember like I just remember, I think it was on the plane over to New York, there being like really bad turbulence and yeah. like being like, oh my God, it's happening. <laughs> it's happening. <laughs> it's happening again. Yeah, no, I know. Oh, it's just really funny. So Eleanor managed to debunk deathclock.com. I cheated com. death. <laughs> I cheated, cheated the death, death clock. Well done. <laughs> okay, so on that bombshell <laughs> we'll move into prime suspect so um so i think that's a suitably macabre bombshell to move the yes. segue to get into this uh, episode because we open on a like well my amazon prime edition of this episode had a previously on i don't yes, know if your dvd did. version did yeah yet. um and this is because this episode is a rare occasion as we've said where the case of the week characters we met last episode carry on like right through into this episode, almost like a two-parter. Although I have to say for me, the two-parter, it feels a bit more like, I, I can't explain this because it's not the same, but it is a bit like the two-parter they did with the practice crossover. Like there's one like humorous case and slash episode and then one where it's more like serious yeah um, I know what you mean. because like there's there's no music in this episode at all like it's all about the case and obviously yeah. it's you know we'll get into what that is it's more serious than just being fired from your job um and it, I just thought it was a bit weird like the two yes the decision to make it a two-parter but yeah. anyway so that previously on recaps what happens last episode with the sort of quote unquote oddballs case. Um, and then we get a bit of recapping of Billy's transition to the new Billy. Um, and then we get the cold open. So John is working on a closing late um, at night in his office. Um, and we know this because he's barefoot pacing up and down. Yeah. So then we see the elevator open and Matthew, the trans woman that we met last episode, steps out um, and John is about to open his office door at a, the, exactly the same time as Matthew was about to knock on it. And there is this horror swell of music as they startle each other and they both just scream, scream. back and forth <laughs> at each other because they're so shocked. Um, so once they've both got over that shock Matthew explains that he is here because there's an emergency 
So Mr. Schofield, the cunt from last episode who <laughs> fired all those people, um, is dead. He's been stabbed to dead. <laughs> Can't feel sad about it, but, you know, couldn't have happened to a nicer guy. Yeah. Um, but not just dead, uh, he's been murdered. Murder on Annie McBeal. Again. Murder. yeah. Sighting. Yes. Um, so he was apparently stabbed in his bedroom and prime suspect numero uno is poor Paul Potts, the guy who was has the clapping has tick the from last episode. Yeah. So... John goes with Matthew straight away to visit Paul, who's been taken into custody. And Paul is clearly very distressed because he's he's ticking all over the place. Like he's clapping, he's repeating his mm. words. He starts even hitting himself on the head at one point. But he basically manages to tell them in no uncertain terms that he did not do it. Like he's innocent. And he actually says he was with Benny, who was one of the other plaintiffs yeah. in the last episode. Bow tie plaintiff. Apparently has a face that scares children, <laughs> even though neither of us can see why that might be um but uh uh, he says he was with benny and they were seeing a movie at the time that this was supposed to happen and then we're in titles so eleanor as the true crime buff uh of the two of us uh are you excited to have a murder case again you were quite excited about the practice one yeah i i i think they're more interesting than uh the usual stuff that we get on ali mcbeal um and I I do like the way uh this one is is done. Um yeah. for the most part. Yeah. 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 Okay, so, cool. Yeah. So something different, you know, yeah. something new. Um, so <laughs> the next day, uh John, Richard and Matthew are sort of marching through Cajun Fish and John is briefing Richard on the case as they walk through the office. So there's going to be an arraignment at 10 today. And um, Richard is super excited about this case um, because it is different and it's, you know, a serious murder, murder trial. Yeah. Um, and he is begging John to be involved. And John just starts stuttering as Richard's like rapid fire begging becomes a bit much. Yes. But then Ali comes running up all excited as well. And she's so excited that she crashes into Richard and falls down. Um, but then she gets up and she begs to be on the case too. And I was like, hang on a minute. Three years ago when we yes. had a case, you hated murder. Yeah. Like, why are you suddenly now well, up for being on the yeah, on the case? Like, it's really odd. Well, she comes up being like, I've always wanted to work on a murder thing. And, oh, please, please, please. And it's like, yeah. You did. You've already worked on a murder case. Like, you've done it. And when you were asked to do it, you were super fucking reluctant to do so. You Because re- you scared, You said you were scared of criminals. <laughs> yeah, it's bizarre. Um, really bizarre. But anyway... Just rewriting Ali. <laughs> yeah. But then Ali and Richard are basically acting like that episode in The Simpsons where Bart and Lisa want to go to Mount Splashmore. <laughs> yeah. Like, Can we be third chair? Can we be third chair? <laughs> like, so they're both nagging John to let them be on the case. Um, Ali breathlessly asks Matthew, um, in the same tone as when she was starstruck with Tina Turner last week, um, if they are the suspect. She was like, are you the suspect? And Matthew's like, no, I am not. And Ali is, is like, all right, <laughs> just asking. Like, and so then John says like, okay, Richard, you can be second chair. Ali, you can be third chair. But then that starts an argument about who should actually be second chair. Um, and whilst that is going on, Billy has come out of his office and he has stopped 
dead in his tracks and stares at Matthew, except that we see that he isn't actually seeing Matthew as they are. He's actually hallucinating this stunning, like, model-esque black Mm. woman. Very um, tall. With the same... Yeah, willowy. Yeah, yeah. She's, um, she's like it's the same fantasy music as they used when they had the male woman come out as well. I don't yes. even notice that. Um, so as John, Ali, and Richard disperse, like still arguing, um, like Ali has to be physically dragged off by Richard. Yes. Um, Billy goes up to Matthew and starts coming onto them. Um, and can we just discuss Billy's attempts at a pickup line? Because what he goes. <laughs> Has anyone ever told you you are the most beautiful woman in the world? And I was like, that can't work, Billy. Like, what? (laughs) I I was like, if you were seriously trying to pick someone up, that's what you'd go with. But also, like, and I mean, this is picked up later, but you've just started dating Sandy. What the fuck are you doing? Quite. Yeah. But then the hallucination is shattered as Matthew says, um, yeah, I, I get that every now and again. And Billy hears that in Matthew's deep voice. And there's this like horror swell of music and a, like a super zoom into Billy's horrified face as he realises what Matthew actually looks like and backs away and goes back into his office. And he's like breathing deeply like, oh my God. Yeah. How traumatising. Yeah. Um, but then he sees Nell at his desk and Nell is just like, what are you doing? And that's when Billy realises that he actually isn't in his office at all. He's gone to he Nell's. He is in Nell's. Yeah. Um, and so he leaves that room confused. So so something's not right with Billy, yeah. clearly. I mean, we've been saying this for a while. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> something's, yeah, even, even more not right with Billy than normal. Even more <laughs> not right. Um, so then we're at the courthouse for the arraignment and Richard starts to ask, Judge Walsh, which I think is interesting that Judge Walsh, because Judge Walsh was on the previous case um, with these people where they had the they were suing Mr. Schofield for firing them. And yet mm. he's now the judge in this case. And I'm like, I don't know. I, I don't think it's conflict of interest as such, but no. I'm just like, is it, do, they, do they need to have continuity of a judge with the same... on a different case I don't know I mean I don't know how it works with like judge allocation I always thought it was like random well I just thought well it's a bit of a fucking coincidence that they're the same judge but yeah um, but anyway, it's Judge Walsh. Um, so Richard starts to ask Judge Walsh for an immediate acquittal plus costs. Um, and John pulls it down into his seat um, and takes over. And he does what you're supposed to do at an arraignment, which is to enter your plea. Um, so he enters a not guilty plea for Paul, um, to which Paul obviously then starts to just repeat the word guilty over and over. Um, and John has to, John, yeah, I know. And John has to remind the court again of Paul's condition to which Richard helpfully adds but it's never made him kill (laughs) Um, and Judge Walsh looks simply thrilled to be dealing with all of this Um, so John asks for a probable cause hearing and Walsh agrees um, and it will start later in the day yeah Um, so Mindy and Benny who were the other plaintiffs from the last episode's um, case arrive at Cajun Fish where unfortunately they run into Ling and Nell Um, Ling helpfully tells them that John is in court defending the mental one and then says to Nell in front of them the funny looking people are back 
And I was it's like, so horrible. It's I was horrible. like, Ning, on the one hand, you can be so kind and thoughtful. On the other hand, you could be absolutely disgusting. Yeah. Like, stop this. Yeah. She sort of swings from one extreme to another, doesn't she? Yeah. Um, but then Matthew, who's obviously already there, um, because he was the one that brought the case to the firm in the first place, um, sees Mindy and Benny from across the office and comes running up to kind of update them on what is going on. And Ling and Nell sort of bitchily just walk away. Um, and then Billy comes around the corner and again envisions Matthew as this dream woman um, and says to himself, I'm sorry, but call me a hound dog. But that... And Ugh. like, so he's like, I have to take my I'm shot not, and I'm like yeah. marches up. To, I'm surprised they didn't use the Tex Avery tongues again. <laughs> um, but he marches up to Matthew to flirt with them again. And he says, I know you must get hit on 10 times a day. I mean, honestly, Billy's attempt at picking people up that is just awful. ridiculous. Um, but before Billy can even finish that sentence, Matthew is not having it, understandably thinking that Billy is taking the piss. Yes. So uh, Matthew interrupts Billy by saying, I'm about to break your face. Um, and Billy is suddenly shocked because he stops hallucinating. Yeah. Um, and Sandy has seen all this and she steps in and she pulls Billy away. And Billy is like, what? I, I, think, I think I've just hallucinated because that woman just turned into a transvestite which i didn't enjoy the use of the word transvestite but it was 2000 and they yeah. didn't know any better no cross-dresser is the more accepted term obviously these days um but sandy was like no matthew is a transvestite and also more to the point that's completely irrelevant because why are you hitting on them anyway yeah like billy my boss who is also supposed to be my boyfriend, be my boyfriend. Like, yeah what yeah fair question sandy um but I just want to throw in my objection here because I just really hate this thing. Like, mm -hmm. like in terms of just being like, oh, imagine if when you saw a trans mm -hmm. person, you actually saw like a gorgeous cis person instead. Like, how horrifying. Like, it just feels really like nasty and transphobic to be portrayed as like a nightmare you know what I mean it's like the trans version of shallow hell isn't it yeah it is it's just really it's unpleasant I don't like yeah. it yeah no it's horrible so anyway John and Richard come back from the courthouse and everyone is um still outside the elevator and want the update from them so John says so Paul is being charged. Um, we're going to learn more at the probable cause hearing. Um, and they plan to call Mrs. Schofield, so the wife. And Mindy is dead set like, she did it. It's always <laughs> <laughs> And I was like, someone's a true crime podcast fan. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and then John was like, I don't normally call witnesses at probable cause hearings, but I think I'm going to call you, Benny, um, because you can testify to Paul's um, alibi. Uh, and, and Benny seems surprised to hear that he's part of the alibi um, <laughs> yeah. and that he was supposed to be in the movies with Paul because he says, oh, is, is that what Paul said? And John's like, never I... mind that. Were you? <laughs> and Benny's like, yeah, sure. <laughs> and then Mindy's like, we were all there. And John's like, look, guys, this is serious. Like, this is a murder trial. You have to tell me the truth. And Benny's like, no, I wasn't there. So 
Fuck. <laughs> yeah. Quite. <laughs> so... Tron and Richard are walking back to the courthouse um, on the street and, and Richard is suggesting that they plead insanity because Ling already calls him a mental. Um, and he was like, can't we claim that he's a legal retard? And I was like, oh my good God. God. What the fuck? I what mean, John, John rightly shuts it down, but the fact that it got put into the script in the first place is, yeah, is horrible. telling. Um, but yeah, um, John reiterates no, we're pleading not guilty. Um, but Richard isn't convinced. But John says, look, whatever, we're talking to Paul before we make any decisions like that anyway. Um, so in an ante room at the courthouse, John and Richard go to talk with Paul and they confront him about his false alibi. And John is just, you know, really calm. Like, why, why did you tell us that, Paul? But before Paul can answer, Richard just goes, Liar! <laughs> and that makes Paul nervous and he starts ticking. And John is like, stop it, Richard. And he like regains control of the conversation. And Paul tells them that he was afraid, which is why he lied about being at the movies with Benny. He was actually home on his own, um, but he was just afraid. And then Richard comes in again going, so you decided to lie? To which Paul just emphatically denies that he did it. Um, and Richard seems pleased that John and him have this like good cop, bad cop thing going on. But John is just trying to get him to butt out and just ends up screaming, quiet! <laughs> and Richard's like, I think he means quiet. Quiet. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, is it me? Oh, or God. is, I mean, especially when you think about the things Richard was saying, like, just in the scene previous about like yeah. having him classed as a, a, a someone yeah um is it me someone who has mental difficulties yeah paul played like completely differently like in the last episode there was no indication that he had a learning disability or anything like that and now suddenly i feel like he's being played like he's forrest gump like yeah i just feel like last episode he was a graphic designer, like, with a job and, like, and now suddenly he's got the mind of a child. That's a really good point, actually. I mean, I uh, I think uh, having such extreme tics, and I would assume that what is causing that is something like Tourette's. Yeah, um, yeah, and Tourette's isn't a learning disability. No, exactly, and I, I, I don't know if there are. I don't know enough about other disorders to know if there are other disorders that could give you tics like that. The only one that I yeah. know of is Tourette's. Um, yeah, same. But you're right, you know, when he was talking about his work last episode, he was very eloquent, actually. He was very clear. Yeah, there was um, no and... indication that he had any kind of intelligence or, you know, difficulties or anything like that. And I like can that. imagine that having something like Tourette's does make it uh, socially developmentally difficult because you, yes. you know maybe you're behind on making friends or you know forming relationships with people but mentally developmentally if developmentally mentally you know with your mental <laughs> development um, I don't think it has an impact on no. that I don't know that, that would be a separate condition yeah that, that would I think you'd have pound it yeah it's exactly my understanding is that uh, and yeah I just feel it's really strange that they've like made this shift because we'll see as it goes on like he is like portrayed in this episode quite childlike quite childlike and it's yeah. like 
there was no indication of this like last no episode. I think you're right I actually didn't pick up on that difference or that shift because I just assumed that we had seen some of that in the previous episode but you are no. right now that I think about it we didn't no so we didn't yeah get any that, of that's, that that's a good catch yeah. um so now it seems that Sandy has gone to find out what is going on with Billy. So she goes to his office to ask him and he is just pacing up and down and he's just like trying to brush it off like nothing's the matter. Um, and she says that he, you know, maybe you're just nervous about this client meeting you've got later at four, um, which Billy seems to have forgotten is happening. Um, but Sandy asks again, you know, what, what's the matter? And Billy tries to cover it by saying, you know, you're right. It's just the big meeting. Um, you know, wish me luck. Um, and then he kisses her. But then we get a horror swell of strings again, as it turns out, Nell is pushing Billy away, saying, are you nuts? And it turns yeah. out that Billy has hallucinated again. And it was Nell who went to see if he was okay and not, not Sandy. Sandy. Yeah. And Billy is shocked and is stumbling like around his words, trying to explain. But then he gets distracted because he hears these tiny voices going, marry me, divorce me, coming from behind him. And he turns around and there's two like animated versions of Ali and Georgia on there. Tiny ones, like little doll sized ones yeah. on his desk. And the cartoon Ali is going, marry me. And the cartoon Georgia is going, and then the cartoon georgia just leaps onto his face and starts biting his nose and billy just screams but then the hallucination stops and he turns around to nell who has been watching and would clearly be like fucking hell are you all right um and he just sits down on his desk and says I think I need to see a doctor. And I was just like, you think? Yeah, I think you do. <laughs> Something <laughs> is going on here. Uh, so yeah, that was I terrifying. Did, <laughs> I did enjoy like a mini Georgia, like attacking his face. I did think that was very funny. <laughs> but I was just thinking a bit about it from the perspective of Billy. Like imagine, imagining that, you know, it's and it feels like it's yeah, real. Yeah. Like that must be absolutely terrifying. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it reminded me a bit of like, um, you know, when we had the pygmies, as problematic yes. as they were. Like, yes. I remember watching that episode thinking, fuck, if I was really thought that there were those things yeah. were real in the room with me, like, yeah. I don't know how you ever sleep again. No. Um, so anyway, next, um, Richard and John uh, standing outside the courthouse on the steps and Richard is smoking a cigar Again, he's, he's smoking a cigar when he's not won anything or he's not celebrating something. So he's really like moved on with the cigars there for like just every day now. Um, so Ali approaches them with all of Paul's friends um, and they're asking what's going on. And Richard is like, he did it. <laughs> and John just like pushes him with his elbow and says, we're just going to proceed with the probable cause hearing and see what the evidence is. Um, and Benny is really glum because he's, you know, like this isn't looking good, is it? Um, and Richard sort of raises his eyebrows as if to be like, well, you know, maybe you did it. Like, and John is just annoyed with Richard and it's like, let's just go in. Um, and Ali shoves Richard as she goes past. And it's as he's taking a big drag of his cigar. So the force of Ali pushing him forces the air to like 
pop the cigar out of his mouth and it just falls onto the ground. Yeah. Thank God, those stink sticks. Um, so then, back at Cajun Fish, uh, Nell is going to see Billy again. But before she can get to his office, Sandy stops her and says that um, Billy said that he doesn't want any visitors. And Nell just turns to Sandy and goes, Sam, isn't it? Yes, Sandy. I'm not sure what the proper protocol is for secretaries. I've never been one. But I doubt it calls for referring to the lawyers who actually work in the firm as visitors. Or hadn't you noticed I work here? And then she just ignores what Sandy told her and goes in. And Sandy's all like, oh, I noticed. (laughs) Yes, yeah. I mean, this was really shitty of Nell. Like, I nearly threw in my objection there, but something worse happened later on. But, like, Sandy's job is to help Billy manage his day. And if he says that he doesn't want visitors, that includes everyone. Like, he just doesn't want any interruptions. So fuck off with your shitty attitude to Sandy for just doing what she's paid to do. Yeah. Like, that's not on. Yeah, no. Proper in it, proper, it echoes that kind of elitism that, you know, was revealed a couple of episodes back where it's just like, um, you know, oh, I've I've never done your job, obviously, because I'm better than you. But I would imagine that you're doing it wrong. (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, I imagine now that you've got a big fat stick up your ass. But anyway, um, Nell goes in and says to Billy that she's got a friend who is also a neurologist and she's taken the liberty of making an appointment with him to see her at four. And Billy points out that this clashes with his big meeting with his biggest client. And Nell's like, oh, no, 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 don't worry. I'll just cover the meeting for you. You can't. She's saying, you know, you can't exactly take the meeting like this because you'll lose him, Um, which I guess is a a good point. Yeah. Um, so back at the courthouse, Mrs. Schofield, um, whose name is actually Deborah, um, is being questioned by the prosecution about the night that her husband died. Um, so she tells the court that they were both getting ready for bed at around 9.30 and she decided she was going to take a shower. So then we start to get a flashback of what Deborah is remembering. I really like this like way of sort of uh, doing a recreation of what happened with like Ali as the stand-in, like all in black yes. and white, black and white. Like, um... well, we not got to that bit yet. We're getting the flashback of Deborah. Oh, okay. First. So Deborah says that when she was in there, she thought she heard the bathroom door closing, which she thought was odd because um, she thought it was closed. And then suddenly she got the feeling that she wasn't alone. And she called out for her husband um, and then started to ask if anyone was there, but no one answered. Um, So she started to get scared. And then, as you've said, as Deborah continues with her testimony, we see Ali is just completely absorbed in the story as we know that she gets with these murder cases. And she starts to imagine herself as Deborah in the shower, except this this imagination version of the flashback is in black and white, like mm. psycho. Yes, that's why <laughs> so, I like it. It's great. Yes, Deborah continues by saying she looked out of the shower, but it was so steamy and the room was so big that she couldn't see anything. So she just kind of kept on washing her hair. But then she heard something hit on the floor. And so she called out to her husband again and she switched the shower off. 
but she still couldn't hear anything. And she looked out again and there was like nothing. So then she tried to brush it off as like, you know, it's just my imagination. Um, And she turned the water back on and she started to rinse her hair. And then suddenly someone pulled back the shower curtain and Ali is still imagining all of this in her head and the curtain gets pulled back and this, it's almost like the killer in Scream, like Scream-esque, like bad guy, like there's no mask, but he's like in a black hood and then like dark where his face would be, just brandishes a knife in her daydream. And then Ali screams exactly like in Psycho, but also in real life in the courtroom. Yes. Startling everybody. Um, And then she calms down and apologizes. So Deborah continues and says that someone was in the bathroom in a hood with a knife. And then he reared back as if he was going to stab her, but then stopped and ran away. So she jumped out, screamed for her husband, like threw her dressing gown on and called 911. And after that, she found Joel, her husband, in the bedroom with like blood everywhere, dead. And then the prosecution asks if she saw or heard anything else that night. And she says she heard someone running down the stairs and clapping and twice she heard four crisp claps. And then that obviously sets Paul off to clap four times. And she's like, exactly like that. Yeah. I was like, ah, Paul! <laughs> yeah. And everyone's like, oh shit. <laughs> this is not good. Yeah. So Benny then goes to see Paul in the ante room with Ali to tell him that they're all going to go back with the lawyers to the office and come up with some ideas. Um, and Paul asks if he has to stay. <laughs> um, and and then he also asks how long until the verdict. And Ali has to remind him that this is just a probable cause hearing. And Benny's like, you knew that, Paul. Um, and Paul's all sad. And he's like, I forgot. Um, so this is the first inkling that we get that, you know, he might be developmentally challenged yeah, as well. Like, he is being portrayed like he's got the mind of a child. Like, um, yeah. which, yeah, it feels completely different to... Yeah. Last episode, like I said. Yeah. Um, so Paul's friends are walking back with the Cajun fish guys along the street, like discussing the case. And Benny asked John if Paul, um, you know, if this goes to trial, will Paul have to stay in jail? Um, and how long would that be? Like, how long would he have to wait until it starts? And John says, well, you know, it could be something like three to four months. And Benny's just like, Paul's never going to make it that long in jail. You know, we have to beat this probable cause thing. And Richard's like, well, if Paul didn't do it, who did? There was no robbery. And Mindy's like, guys, I told you, it's the wife. <laughs> um, but this time, Mindy adds that she thinks she might have had motive, which finally gets John's attention um, because he asks what she means. And Mindy's like, there was talk. And then they all lean in on the street yeah. to listen to what the talk was from Mindy. Um, and it turns out Mr. Schofield was having an affair and the word affair like echoes as everyone like looks at each other in their little lean in huddle and is like, ooh, juicy. Yeah. Um, and he's got the goss. <laughs> so back at Cajun Fish, John and Richard sit Mindy down and get out of her all the goss about this affair. Yeah. Um, so it's a woman who worked at Mr. Schofield's agency as well called Nancy Raleigh Sicklin, which a lot of them say her full name several times in this episode. It's quite a dramatic. <laughs> way of talking about yeah. um but um apparently he was gonna leave his wife for her 
Um, and Paul used to see them disappear off behind closed doors and it made him very upset. And Richard was like, upset enough to make him pick up a knife. (laughs) (laughs) And John's like, I think we need to talk to this Nancy Raleigh Sicklin. Um, The problem is, is that Nancy Raleigh Sicklin does not want to talk Talk to them. them. So (laughs) John, Richard, Mindy and Matthew have gone to see her and she is adamant that this has got nothing to do with her. Um, And John is like, were you sleeping with him? And Richard asks if Mrs. Schofield knew. And Nancy's like, oh God. And she kind of realises that they're going to air all this out in court. And John's like, we need you to come to court with, with us. Um, and Nancy's like, oh God. And John's like, you know, you probably won't need to testify, but just in case. And Nancy goes, oh God, again. And Richard's like, is that what you say while you're sleeping with him? Ugh. And then Mindy elbows him in the ribs because he's standing behind her and he just falls over and Nancy just goes I'm gonna be sullied yes sullied can can we throw in a fat phobia jingle because it's that uh, because when Richard says that thing and Mindy elbows him and he falls over backwards yeah like I just it's it's that super like old joke that fat people are like super strong like they're they're ogres or they're giants and it just really annoys me so can we just throw that in i am all for throwing the fat phobia jingle in as often as possible because you know it was a labor of love recently i know dum dum dee dum 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 fat phobia is dum dum dee dum dum fat phobia is dum dum dee dum so Nell is covering for Billy's meeting. Um, so she goes to the conference room to meet with his client, Mr. Hallen, who wants to know where Billy is. <laughs> and Nell is like, well, Billy's off the case. Um, you know, he's a gifted litigator, but this is a corporate account and uh, don't want to you know, blow my own trumpet, but I am number one in corporate lawyer stuff. Um, (laughs) And also she tries to kind of draw a line under the like new Billy nonsense that impressed Hallen because I think he was the client that Billy got when he had his Billy girls around him. So she's like, the Billy girls, you know, they are beneath the integrity of this firm and beneath your own integrity. And quite frankly, they don't serve you. And then she's like, you know, you might get the horn for those girls, but you're in advertising and really that's about appealing to women. Um, And then she tries to give him like the hard sell about, you know, you can stay with Billy if you want to, but I think you can do better. Um, So what we take from this meeting is that she's not just covering it. She's throwing Billy under the bus. Yeah. Um, I part mean, of this me's is... not that mad about it. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> because I'm like, part of me's like, you know, why shouldn't she just get what's hers? Do you know what I mean? But um, I, yeah, part I... of me is like, this feels not right. Yeah, given this what is, Billy is doing. This is while she's there, really cold, like yeah, as hell to like send your yeah. colleague to a doctor and then steal yeah. their client. Like, exactly. I'm not impressed with this. I don't no. I don't have anything against her stealing clients from no, Billy. No, but this way it, it, felt It's the way wrong. she's doing it that I think is really horrible. Yeah, I just, I, I agree with you. And the part of me that's not mad about it is the part that's like, in theory, like, she's just doing what 
not necessarily like the the concept of stealing clients is the bit that I'm not mad about. Like that's yes. what men do all the yeah. time. So why shouldn't a woman do it? But Play in this that game way, too. yeah. When you know Billy is not well, yes, or like, there's something wrong, that like this is underhand. really really yeah low. yeah. Um, so Helen is like, no, seriously, where's Billy? And Nell's like, um, he's seeing a neurologist. Uh, he suffers some occasional imbalance, but I can assure you that it's nothing that would ever affect his work. Uh, and I was just like, Nell, that's you really sub zero. Like this is yeah. the stone cold ice bitch that we were told she was. And some, for some reason we've had to wait 18 months to see yeah, it. to actually see evidence <laughs> of it. Yeah, I know. Yeah, this is... I'm not happy about the way she's no, doing this at this all. this is an absolute character assassination by David E. Kelly. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, so next we see Billy at his neurologist appointment and the doctor is shining some lights into his eyes and asking, you know, some diagnostic questions um, and asks if he's been acting erratic lately. And um, Billy says, well, you know, my co-workers think I have been, um, you know, I've got this quicker temper... I've become more chauvinistic. Um, and he demonstrates this by doing his like new man in town hand punch. Um, and then he says he gets a funny taste in his mouth. And then we hear like the taste of your own foot in a voice that sounds an awful lot like George's because Billy is now hallucinating that the doctor it's is Georgia. Georgia. <laughs> um, and the doctor asks what kind of funny taste. And Billy says he's not sure. Like he doesn't think it's something that he can identify. And the doctor is like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to need to run a few tests because something's not right. Um, and I don't know if this was done off camera, but why didn't he tell her that he was hallucinating? Like that to me seems like a pretty big thing yeah, that's to leave a, out. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, completely. Like you would, surely you would be like, I've come here today because I started hallucinating today and I'm worried. My like, name is Pilly and I hallucinate. <laughs> yeah. um, like, he really... I mean, I hope that the doctor knows that and that was just off, implied as being off camera, but yeah, it just seems maybe. odd that he doesn't... They don't talk about it at that all. That bit, yeah. Yeah, true. Meanwhile, um, Nell is in full shark mode at Cajun Fish because she sort of asks Sandy to send Helen's file to her office. Um, and Elaine passes by and her spider sense is telling her that Nell is up to something, which is leave Sandy to look suspicious. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, people have started to notice. notice um, yeah. Back at the courthouse... John, Richard, uh, Benny, Mindy, Matthew and Ali are in the anteroom with Paul and they're asking him what he knows about the Showfield Nancy rumours. But Paul just doesn't want to get Nancy into trouble. Um, and John keeps pushing because he's like, if you know something and it could get you out of trouble. Um, and Richard goes, you don't need to tell us three times, just tell us once. <laughs> <laughs> and eventually Paul says that Nancy only told him that there was a problem. She didn't actually tell him what that problem was. Yeah. Um, so then we're back in the hearing and John is questioning Deborah on the stand. And he asks Deborah if she knows any reason why Paul might want to kill her husband. And Deborah's like, well, he and his friends were fired for one. Um, and John's like, well, yeah, but they sued him for that um, in like sort of legal remedy. And I was like, yeah, but they did lose. So that doesn't really yes. count, but never mind. <laughs> um, uh, and he says, is there anyone else who might have wanted to hurt your husband? And she goes, no. 
And John goes, well, do you know who this is? And he points at a lady in the courtroom and Deb was like, that's Wanda Mitt, my cleaning lady. And John's like, well, what about the lady behind Wanda? And Deb was like, oh, that's some woman who works for my husband's firm, Nancy, Nancy Raleigh Sicklin. Um, and John says, well, uh, do you know her name? Because um, Wanda heard you say her name two days ago when you had a fight with your husband. Um, and then he goes on to ask what she was mad about. But before she can answer, he goes into like, Poirot mode like laying out what he thinks went down and he says I think that Joel was going to leave Deborah for Nancy so Deborah got mad and maybe she picked up a knife and slowly approached him from behind um, and as John is painting this picture of Nancy getting closer and closer to her husband Ali starts to imagine it as a movie in her head again yes. and John starts to say um, you know and Deborah raised the knife over her shoulder and then just as Joel turned around and then Ali screams again, startling everyone again. <laughs> and she apologizes and calms down. And John keeps going, saying that, you know, Deborah probably got in the shower to wash the evidence away. And then he turns to Judge Walsh and says, look, there just isn't enough evidence to prove that Paul did it. It's an absolute sham, sham, sham. <laughs> and the DA is like, well, hang on a minute. We haven't introduced all of our evidence yet. We've got a pen and it was found at the scene of the crime with Paul's fingerprints. Mic drop. <laughs> and John's nose whistles. And then Judge Walsh says that probable cause does exist and that Paul has to go to trial. Eep. Uh, yes. Yeah. And um, um, John's nose whistles again for good measure. Yes. Yes. Oh, dear. Not looking good for Paul. Chekhov's pen. So, <laughs> <laughs> Ali is with Paul in the ante room, uh, being really gentle with him, like gently questioning him about this pen and like, does he know how it might have got into their house? And Paul's just like, no. Um, and Ali's like, Paul, you're on trial for your life. This is serious. You need to have an answer for these questions. And you're just saying no. And Paul's like, no, thank you. And Ali's like, look, you lied about your alibi before. You need to tell me the truth. Did you kill Mr. Schofield? And Paul's like, no, thank you. And Ali's like, are you trying to be funny? <laughs> and Paul almost says no, thank you again. But then he just says no. And he says, I'm scared. So Ali is like, well, why do you think you're being accused? And Paul's like, well, because Mrs. Schofield heard clapping and because I'm a freak and people think freaks are capable of doing awful things but I could never kill anyone. I'm just a freak. I'm not mean or violent. And Ali just leans forward and says, well, you're not a freak either, Paul. And Paul starts crying. Um, and Ali gets tearful as well. And she just goes, is there any way you could have left a pen at that house? And Paul's like, no, I've never been invited there. And he's really upset. And he just asks Ali, you know, am I going to stay in jail forever? And Ali just looks back at him tearfully and doesn't have an answer for him yeah um poor paul poor paul like random developmental issues that have suddenly appeared aside <laughs> like i would feel sorry for anyone in yeah, that situation absolutely like, yeah shitty absolutely shitty so later at night back at cajun fish um john richard and ali are really in a pickle like trying to figure out what they can do um, and Richard just goes, well, this is why we don't do murder trials. We stink at them. <laughs> I was like, well, quite. <laughs> uh, 
Um, and they start discussing that it could have been suicide, but then John rightly points out that a dead man can't get rid of a knife. He goes like, what did he do? Eat it. <laughs> um, but then Ali comes up with this possible scenario. So she thinks the murderer could have been Nancy. Like maybe it wasn't that Schofield couldn't have the woman of his dreams. Maybe it was Nancy Raleigh Sicklin that couldn't have the man of her dreams. And John is like, what? And Ali's like, there is something about her. And she could have taken Paul's pen from his office. Like she had access and try and frame him. And she knew about the clapping. Maybe she did it. And Paul said that she called him on the day of the murder and she thinks that maybe it was to see if he was going to be home alone that night, you know, with no alibi. And John is starting to get convinced, but he isn't sure how they could ever prove it. And that's when Ali says she thinks that she can get Nancy to admit it and she could wear a wire and get a confession because she's good at getting people to talk about their broken hearts. You know, you show me yours, I'll show you mine. And Richard's like, look, I've tried that with my penis. Richard. Um, And Ali is like, no, 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 no. This will work because I did it in sixth grade once with a boy that stole pencils. when she said that um like that's so relevant here ali and john is also (laughs) thinks that's ridiculous um and and john and richard are rightfully skeptical but ali is just absolutely adamant that she can do it and she also says you know what's to lose and john's like well your life if she is the killer and ali was like oh um well that's okay like you guys can listen outside And then Ali and John's noses start whistling. And I was like, this has bad idea written all over it. I mean, (laughs) I I think this is when, like, Ali McBeal has, like, jumped the shark. (laughs) Like, when she's doing undercover operations. Yeah, crazy. (laughs) Ridiculous. (laughs) The next day, Matthew, Mindy and Benny have come to the office to find out what comes next in Paul's case. And Elaine settles them on a sofa um, to wait and tells them that all she can say at the moment is that the lawyers are working on it. And they said for them to wait here. Um, And this is because Ali is currently living out her true crime fantasies. So she is walking down the street um, on her way to Nancy's house and clearly wired up because she's like talking into a mic in her lapel going one, two, three, testing. Um, And she's got this tiny earpiece so that John and Richard can communicate with her. Um, And they are in a car wearing like baseball caps and sunglasses. um, And they are driving so slowly that they are holding up traffic so that's not conspicuous in the slightest um and they realize they should probably you know park up um so as they do that ali goes to nancy's um front door and rings the bell and nancy opens it and ali asks if she can talk to her for a sec and nancy's like this this isn't really a good time but ali insists because she knows that nancy cares about paul and she won't take up too much time and nancy reluctantly is like okay uh, just give me a second. And she shuts the door and Richard's like, oh, she's probably ditching the knife. <laughs> um, and then as they wait for Nancy to come back, John accidentally sounds the horn on the car, which startles Ali so much that she accidentally opens the door of the house and falls in and has to close the door again and wait outside. 
Um, and then Nancy comes back very shortly after that, so she must have had a door go. Um, but she opens the door again and takes Ali into the living room and asks what she wants to talk about. And Ali is like, Joel Schofield. Meanwhile, John is speaking to Ali in her ear, telling her, you know, be sure to look around. And Richard's like, that's why she's there. And John is like shushing Richard, which causes like real feedback in Ali's earpiece, which makes her like touch her ear and do a funny face. And Nancy's like, uh, what's wrong? And Ali's like, oh, my migraine. Um, and Nancy's like, in your ear? <laughs> like, clearly this Terrible. is going terribly. Um, but Ali gets back on track saying, you know, I don't know if you loved Joel, but something tells me that you did. And Nancy's like, well, what is this anything to do with you? And Ali's like, well, there was a man I once oh, loved. And I was like, great. Imagine, theoretically, your lover has just died and this bitch comes over to wax lyrical about her own like, love life. Like, I was like, This Christ. is what is so funny about Ali is she's just like, I'm so good at getting people to talk. And it's like, no, you're not. You're just really good at talking at people. (laughs) That's not the same thing. (laughs) Not the same thing. Um, But anyway, this is the perfect moment to cut to Billy again. Um, He is having, the man in question, um, he is having his further test done. Um, He's having a CAT scan. And the doctor is strapping him into the machine and prepping him for what to expect. And Billy just says, oh, I get a bit claustrophobic in tunnels. And then again, Billy hallucinates that the doctor is Georgia, who just tells him to let her know if he gets uncomfortable. And then when he's ready, the doctor presses the button to slide him into the machine. Um, So back to Ali. Um, Ali is telling Nancy all about (laughs) Billy and how they were soulmates. Um, And outside in the car, John and Richard are like, blah, 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 because they've heard it so many times. Your story is not as charming as you seem to think it is. Well, John and Richard, I just love the blah, 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 because I was like, that is what everyone thinks when Ali starts talking about Billy. But yeah, Nancy, quite rightly, is like, why are you telling me all of this? Um, Yeah, and Ali is like, well, I don't believe Paul killed Joel. Um, And if he didn't, then maybe Deborah did. Maybe the thought of losing Joel was just too much. And Nancy's like, well, Deborah wasn't losing Joel. And Ali's like, were you? <laughs> and Nancy's like, are you asking if I killed him? And Ali's like, you know, I was hurt by Billy. So now I can see when other people are hurt. And I can see that you're hurt. I can see you. I see it in you. And Nancy's like, hang on a minute. You're here in my house accusing me of murder. And Ali's like, no, I'm here trying to save Paul. And Richard and John, like the original odd couple, are just like rustling, like they've got snacks and like a newspaper and like they're rustling so much that they make Ali's earpiece squeal again. Um, But she recovers and she's like, I know you called Paul that day. Um, Did you do that to make sure that he'd be alone that night? You know, you could have grabbed a pen from his desk. Um... And I also know that you knew that Paul clapped. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure everyone who worked there knew that, but never mind. Um, And she's like, that is enough to get the police to at least investigate the possibility. And Nancy's like, if you thought I was a killer, why would you allow yourself to be alone with me? And then we hear Richard through Ali's earpiece going, excellent point. And then John and him 
John tries to shush him and then they start bickering and like Rich is like hitting John with his newspaper like kids yeah. do you know what I mean um which causes Nancy to be like what what's that noise and Annie's just like oh no I didn't hear anything anyway um but Nancy has had enough and she just asks Ali to leave at this point um and Ali's just like shit I need to kind of stick around so she's like trying to make excuses to stay um and it's like can I use your bathroom and Nancy's like why, why? to look around and find the murder weapon like get out um and Ali's like, I'm just trying to help Paul. And Nancy's like, okay, well, sure. Let me confess then. Like, <laughs> yeah. um, and Ali then hears like a thud or like something a from a nearby doorway, like a closet, mm. um, and says to Nancy, oh, um, I left my purse on the sofa. And that means that Nancy moves out the way so that Ali can go up to the closet door. And when she opens it, Deborah is in there and Ali screams and Richard and John at this point are quite alarmed and they're like, are you okay? Are you okay to Ali? Um, And then Ali is like gradually kind of recovering and making sense of the situation. And she just goes, Deborah and you together? (laughs) And Richard goes, lesbians. And John goes, quick, call 911. (laughs) (laughs) And Deborah is like, oh no I just came by to collect my husband's stuff and then when you rang the bell I was afraid of how it would look so I just hid but Ali has solved this puzzle because she's like the housekeeper didn't hear you fighting about Joel having an affair he was angry at you for having an affair with her you did it together and Deborah's like, I think we should all just sit down and have some coffee. But Ali's getting really like nervous now because she's realised that she's in the company of two potential murderers. <laughs> and she's like, um, you know, I'm, I'm just going to leave. And Deborah's like, I don't think you will. And Ali just goes, uh, I know karate. <laughs> and Deborah's like, what are you going to do? Hit me? <laughs> and then like, Ali does hit her. <laughs> For once, she hits someone and it's probably the right thing to do in this scenario. Um, And she starts to run out of the building. But as she gets to the front door, it's kicked in by the police, which sends Ali flying. And then Richard and John are behind all of the police. And Richard just goes, FBI, as the police run in and arrest Deborah and Nancy. And John is just like, FBI? And Richard goes, what, should I have yelled lawyer? (laughs) This might be like the most ridiculous like twist the storyline is like uh, yeah just yeah Ali goes undercover with a wire to crack the case of the killer lesbians like it's just really silly and also like in real life the police could not just barge in like that and arrest them like how on earth did they even get there in the space of like 10 seconds like it makes no like Like, John and Richard don't (laughs) They don't have them on speed no. dial. Do you know what I mean? What were they going to say? Like, uh, our colleague is in a house and there's killer aliens. Yeah. Like, that's not <laughs> enough. Completely yeah. so, so then Ling comes into Nell's office to tell her the latest, um, you know, that they may have cleared the mental one. Um, but Nell is, is clearly distracted because she's working and she's like, who? And Ling's like, you know, the psycho whose eyes bulge when he claps his hands. And then she complains that the tubby one in a dress has just hit on her. And Nell was like, well, I thought deep down he was a woman. And Ling says, well, deeper than that, there is a dumb stick. 
And this is where I'm throwing in my objection. Yeah. Because I was like, this transphobia is no, not yes. cool. Like, I just, it's one thing to get your pronouns mixed up, David E. Kelly, but it's another thing to actively write in overt transphobia yes. in your show. Yeah. Like, not cool. No. Um, so then Ling notices that Nell has the Hallen file on her desk and is like, ah, you've also taken the Skinner file from Richard. And Nell's like, does he know that? And Ling's like, no, but I do. What are you up to? You're doing something despicable. I can tell. And Nell's like, this place needs a few changes and I need power to make them. And mm. Corporate politics storyline. Yes. Interesting. Yeah. See how this plays yeah. out. Definitely. Um, so Ali, Paul, Benny and the DA are with Judge Walsh in his chambers, who is... <laughs> Not happy that <laughs> Ali went undercover. <laughs> Weirdly. <laughs> he he asks where John is and Ali says <laughs> that him and Richard <laughs> accidentally said they were FBI agents, so they're still being questioned, <laughs> which I can stop laughing at. And and Judge Walsh is like, So you say you found killer lesbians? And Ali's like, Yes, and one was in the closet. And I was like, This uh, whole episode was for that yes, line, wasn't yes. it? Yes. David E. Kelly thought of that line and was like, how can I create a scenario that means that that would work? (laughs) Oh, dear. Um, And then the DA is like, it does appear that Nancy and Deborah had a relationship and they're still, that, you know, they're still not really sure what happened. They're trying to piece it together. And Ali's like, look, at this time, the only evidence against Paul is a clapping sound and a pen, which could have got there any number of ways. That's not enough to satisfy probable cause. And the DA also agrees that the charges should be dropped. Um, And then Paul starts to repeat dropped, to which Judge Walsh tells Paul sternly to be quiet and not make his court into a mockery. And I was like, excuse me, Judge Walsh. Like, he can't help that. And even Ali is defensive because she's like, no one is doing that. But then Judge Walsh leans forward and says... When justice is affected by you, Mr. Page, and Mr. Fish going undercover, trust me when I tell you a mockery has occurred. He's not wrong. I I would agree with that. But there was no need to take that out on Paul, who can't help it. No, he can't. Exactly, yeah. But yeah, I love it. Um, So, yeah, then Judge Walsh asks Paul to stand and formally tells him that the murder charges are dismissed without prejudice. Um, And Paul asks if he's free and Benny's like, yay, yes, you are. The DA apologizes to Paul and Paul's like, thank you. Um, And then Paul gives Ali a big hug. And I was like, oh, and even Judge Walsh looks like he might have a heart because he gives an ever so slightly satisfied nod, like ever so (laughs) slight, like blink and you'll miss it. That's the most you're going to get out of Judge Walsh. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Oh dear. Um, so then the final scene of the episode is later that evening, Georgia is in her office working late and Billy has come by um, and she's surprised and she asks what he's doing there and he's just like, oh, I was just walking by and saw the lights on. And then he just says, I have a brain tumour. And the episode fades to black on George's shocked face. Shocked yeah. face. I was like, 
Oh my god. Like I knew this yeah. was coming. We've alluded to yeah. it several times, but for me, there was just something about the directness of Billy breaking that news and to Georgia first yeah. that I was like, yeah, like that really got me and in the, the gut. Fact that I just he's, thought, he's fuck. smiling as he says it. Like he's yeah. kind of like, yes, I have a brain tumour. And it's just like, oh God, like, can you imagine just learning that one no. day? Like that's horrific. Um I don't know what you do with that information. I mean, clearly he's decided the best thing that he can think of to do is to go to Georgia, yeah. which is interesting. Which, yeah, says um, a lot. Uh, but yeah, just it was just the way he just said it. Like, just like he was saying, I had steak for lunch. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it was just like... Mm. Yeah. Um, like, a, very matter amazing. of fact. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think... Well, it certainly explains, you know, the things... Um, Billy has been going through on this episode in regards to like hallucinations and things yes but I just it's really to me it just the juxtaposition of having like one of the silliest storylines ever in an episode yeah. <laughs> and then have it end with like one of your main characters yeah. having a brain tumor is like really jarring yeah weird really weird like bizarre choice to me yeah, but also they've done that before. Like I said that before about the episode with Marty and the pygmies mm. and him dying. And they also had a really humorous storyline going on in that episode. And it was really odd to like gear change between the two yeah. of them. And it's not um, that you can't have humor and tragedy in the same episode of something. Like you absolutely can. It's just this isn't done with any skill whatsoever. No. And I don't know if that was intentional in the way of they they were thinking, oh, well, they really won't see this coming if we keep the tone of the rest of the episode really pretty light. light. And then at the end, we can be like, boom, got you. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I, I think it's really heavy-handed. Um, <laughs> yeah, it is. It's definitely a clumsy yeah. way of doing it. Um, for sure. Um, but yeah, Christ. Crikey. That's happening. Um, what are your feelings about Billy getting this news, given how we feel about Billy (laughs) as a person, Um, as a character? Uh, I think it's, you know, I don't, there's very few people I would wish a brain tumour on. Um. No. I think, uh. You know, he is a terribly flawed human being and um, yeah. has not learned how to treat at least the women in his life very well um, and has, you know, completely disappeared up his own ass um, when challenged on, on that. Um, and I, you know, but... That's not to say that, you know, someone like that is beyond hope. Like, I think... No. I think, you know, I think redemption is is possible for most people. Um, and I, I, you know, I, I think it's, it's unfair. It's unfair when people get, you know, a yeah. illness like that before their time you know 
And I was just curious to ask that because I have been knowing that this was coming since the beginning because it was one of the big story plot points that I remembered from watching it the first time. And I, given how much I've grown to like absolutely despise Billy as a character, I was just curious about how I would feel when we got to this point, like whether I would feel sympathetic. Yes. I don't I didn't think I would be like, yeah, great and like celebrate yes. or anything. But at the same time I was like, am I gonna be tearful or um, you know, really upset by it in the way that I think I was when I first yes. watched this? Um and I, I it's interesting because I, I don't I'm not um I'm not a person who would wish something like this on no. anyone, really. Um but um that's not to say that I suddenly am like well I forgive you all your past illness you know what I mean just because you're having a terrible time I think um when someone meets um I I, I think when someone young gets very ill um Mm. I, I think you can sympathize and uh, you know, just on a human level, no matter who that person yeah. is, you can sympathise with that. Um, but yeah, that doesn't mean you have to repaint them as a saint when they weren't. Saints, you know, yeah. it's like no. when when people like uh, cut family out of their lives because they're, um, you know, the the relationship they have is is like super toxic and unhealthy and yeah. they've just decided yeah. actually, you know what, it's better off that I do never see, you know, my mum or my dad again, like because yeah. they just make me terribly unhappy when I do. Um, yeah. You know, uh, you often get people tell tell those people like, oh, well, you'll regret it, though, one day when they die, you'll you'll regret not, you know, keeping them in your life. And it's like, yeah, you're like, you can't change who that person is to you and who they who are yeah. or, and how they treat you. Like, yeah, the regret you'll have if they die and you never resolve your issues is that you had the relationship that you had. Like that's the regret. Yeah. The regret is that. But it's you also not just your exactly. fault. It's their fault Absolutely. as well. Yeah. Like, and it's not. Um. You know, you can't beat yourself up for making a, the better choice for yourself and your own sanity and all that kind of thing. You can't. Because like for months we've been like Ali, just get away from him. Like you do not need him in your life, and I still stand mm. by that. But that doesn't mean that when she finds out about this she won't be sad or you know um if she had cut him out of her life you know she found out that he'd had this illness and you know you would feel a pang and you might reach out and be like you know I know we've had our problems but I'm really sorry yeah you know nobody wants to to nobody wants this for people no and I think like yeah like I say I think Billy, terribly flawed and frustrating and, you know, uh, toxic as he can be. Um, like, like I say, I don't think, although those characteristics are, like, infuriating to watch and neither of mm. us would want that kind of person in our life, certainly not close to us, um, not as a partner yeah, or a exactly. friend yeah we, we wouldn't want 
that those kind of characteristics in a person sort of near us like I don't think that that necessarily you know I, I like I say I don't I think most people have the capability for redemption um and you know uh changing and I think that's part yeah. of what is sad about something like this is that you know he's being robbed of of time the chance, a chance to, do to do that yeah yeah um yeah totally okay well we'll see how this plays out yes, yes we will <laughs> retry um so it's the state oh, it wasn't a proper trial it was just a, a probable cause no, hearing probable but um cause, yeah. state versus pots i guess um well he was obviously well, i mean i don't know about you innocent, but he wasn't guilty <laughs> um those lesbian bitches set him up like yeah, must be, I mean, we. I, I assume we don't ever get to see the resolution of this, but it must. I don't think so. It must be that they stole his pen. They did the clapping because it was just yeah. easy to easy to set him up, right? Um, yeah, I think which definitely is horrible. Yeah, it's cold. It's really like, cold. It's one thing to like kill someone, but then to frame someone else for it is like someone who really horrible. is in a vulnerable position as well. Like yes. Can, is yeah. really shitty the evil evil awful. people yeah verdict of the week the jury's back i am gonna give nell a guilty me too i'm glad hey. yes <laughs> yeah like i said earlier i don't have a problem with you know in theory now stealing clients from billy and richard but i think it is that that thing of using a potential health crisis someone is having in order to make that opportunity to do that like is really low and really callous and just yeah. like that's exactly uh, and what the I fact wrote. that she yeah. she actually like she booked the appointment no I know and she booked she orchestrated it for the, that for the whole time thing. yeah exactly so that he couldn't meet with that client like and because at first when she comes in is like I've booked you an appointment with a doctor you're like oh that's quite nice like you're going out of your way yeah. to like help someone yeah. like oh you've got a friend who's a neurologist like oh that's that's really that's really decent of you and then to be like no is completely uh, uh, in her own self yeah yeah absolutely completely just like proper cold and calculated I know and it's just like oh that is that is low, really nasty really low yeah um like, and I, I, for ew. all those reasons, and also because she was shitty to Sandy as well, which I hated yes. again. Um, I just, you know, she could be better than that, and I thought she was better than that, which is why I'm just yeah. doubly disappointed. So, yeah, now guilty for me as well, for sure. Yeah, for yeah, exploiting a terrible event in someone's life. I know. <laughs> I know. I mean, she doesn't know at this point that he has a brain tumor. No, but if you're but sending someone to a neurologist like, and you've seen someone hallucinate, like that's yes. not, you know, it's serious. You know, that you know, that's serious. Yeah, there's some kind of health issue, serious health issue going on. Like, and you just were like, ah, opportunity. I, I know. Will it's cold. This. It's just horrible. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Not impressed. <laughs> 
what's to become of Nelly? I'm actually quite interested to see where that storyline ends up. Yeah, because I've got to say, I can't really remember much no. of Nell's kind of character development and storyline. But what happens like, with her like stealing point, really. all of the clients and stuff? Like when that yeah, starts to what's come out. Yeah, her ultimate yeah. plan here? Yeah. Like, yeah, I'm quite interested to see what comes next with yes. that. Yeah. Uh, so, um, I guess, uh, let us know what you thought of this episode. Um, the big bombshell from Billy, um, Nell's character U-turn goes deeper into evil. Um, and the, yes. the murder trial as well. Um, Cajun Fish does murder again. Um, what did you think? <coughs> we are on Twitter and Facebook at Bygones Podcast and at Instagram at Bygones Pod. Um, or you can email us at uh, bygodspodcast at gmail.com we are always standing ready to receive your mail um, so please do send if you're thinking about it don't hesitate just send us your thoughts and your feelings yes. and your questions we're happy to have them we are interested yes so uh, yeah I guess until next time when we find out what's going on with Billy's brain uh, bygones bye. you're as cold